they try to jail us Real see not blood So they know that they can't feel it Ignorance is bliss So you know that you've been slow by it I don't like slow So I make sure my mind grow Every Yellow, red, brown, black We all came on the same ship Willie, you can't fool me Division don't live in me Education key So they can't lock doors on me If you look at it statistically By this age Abolition. 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 Okay, Brother Max, so, I mean, you're using the word slavery. We understand where you're coming from, but the conversation in this country, although changing and changing very fast, the majority of the people who talk about prisons and talk about these things, they use the term mass incarceration. And so you haven't used the word yet, but that's how most people are familiar with it. So can you just provide some historical content behind the word mass incarceration and understand why this word is deceptive and why it keeps people away from the actual issue and conversation that we're having about slavery and the, and the abolitionist movement. Mass incarceration as a term didn't even exist until the release of Michelle Alexander's book, The New Jim Crow and the Color Blindness in the Age of Mass Incarceration. So when her book came out in 2010, that's when it started to be popularized as a term to describe what was happening to us with the largest prison population in the history of humanity on planet Earth. But the problem was, uh, this was a misnomer because what we were dealing with is not mass incarceration. If mass incarceration really was a thing, as is claimed in that book and by many other people, that means that it implies that this is something that affects everybody across the nation equally. And that's not the case at all. All across America, there is no state in this union where white people are incarcerated per 100,000 at a greater rate than black people. Uh, here in South Carolina, we're incarcerated at five to one, even though we only make up 25% of the population. In Alabama, you're incarcerated at eight to one. In New Jersey, it's 14 to one. It doesn't matter how much of the population black people make up, they are still incarcerated at a greater rate, much higher rate than their white counterparts. Even in states like Vermont, where 98% of the people of Vermont are white people and 1.2% are blacks, blacks are incarcerated at 14 to 1. You only make up 1.2% of the population and you're incarcerated at 14 to 1. So this term of mass incarceration implies that it affects everybody equally, and it doesn't. It, it, at no point does it uh, say, look, this is a race or class-based system. So between... 2007, at the launch of Twitter, in 2009, there were only four mentions of mass incarceration. It literally did not exist as a term. It became popularized with Michelle Alexander's book. Uh, what we really were dealing with, though, was slavery, as I had mentioned earlier, uh, through the new system of convict leasing. 
and she just didn't want to take it that far. Instead, she called it a caste system. She made this term mass incarceration, which, as I said, is a misnomer, and everybody's aware of the rate of incarceration that are, you know, extremely skewed towards black and brown bodies. So, for me, I don't use that term primarily for this reason. There's no laws against mass incarceration. Uh, there's no laws on the book internationally or nationally that protects people from mass incarceration. But there are laws on the books that protect people from slavery. Slavery is illegal. And also, when you're talking about mass incarceration, you're furthermore implying that this is something that is not done on purpose. It's a mistake. It's an error in judgment. It's uh, ideas and philosophies from past days that we've yet to correct and are still causing problems. But that's not the case at all. This is done intentionally. Many of these states uh, could not survive without their prison industry. Here in South Carolina, our number one industry is prison. With over 7,000 employees, uh, 24 facilities holding prisoners in those facilities. And in some states, the cost of incarceration is through the roof. Like in New York, if you go to Rikers Island, it costs you over 300, it costs the taxpayer over $300,000 to incarcerate one person for a single year. So this is not some nebulous term, mass incarceration that we're dealing with. What we're dealing with is a crime against humanity called slavery. And I know people are quick to adopt the idea that this might be something else. But if you look at the history of the country and you examine what happened in 1865, just prior to it and after it, it really becomes crystal clear what occurred. This exception clause that was put into the Constitution that allowed them to enslave people who had been convicted of a crime was just a continuation of slavery. And instead of the individual being able to own someone, now it's the state that does. And even worse than that, not only can the state own you, but since 1980 and the reintroduction of for-profit private prisons, anybody who invests in private prisons can now own people. Because when you put your money into for-profit prisons, you're not investing in a building. You're investing in the fact that those prison cells will remain filled for uh, as much as 25 years in a row, depending on what the contract says. And most of the contracts with the for-profit prisons vary from uh, 20 to 25 years in a row, guaranteeing 80 to 100% occupancy. Now, I don't know... How the hell any state can guarantee a prison is going to be filled up to 100% for 25 years, but that's what the contract said. So we don't call it mass incarceration because mass incarceration is not illegal and it's not a crime against humanity, but slavery is. You can abolish slavery. Slavery is against the law here in the United States. Uh, it's against the law all across the world. So that's how we address this, as something that's being done intentionally, and it's race and class-based, and we seek to abolish it. But you can't do that if you're using terms that treat it like some kind of big mistake that somebody made. This is not a mistake. Not a mistake. Peace and blessings, uh, everyone. If our uh, brother Kinetic Dust Lamar, we're back uh, live from the plantation. Uh, tonight, uh, we just wrapped up a, a beautiful interview uh, with our master teacher and our elder brother, uh, brother Max Parker. Uh, and I'm talking about it was beautiful. It gave me a lot more insight into uh, the reasons why we do what we do and the necessity 
of doing what we do. Abolition. You just heard 13th Amendment featuring Cage or KJ. He spelled it C-A-Y-J. That was followed by the mass incarceration misnomer, a clip from Max's interview this past Thursday on Live from the Plantation, a program sponsored by Abolition Today, which is created, produced, and hosted by those incarcerated. You can hear that program in its entirety throughout our archives at abolitiontoday.org. Peace and blessings be upon you. My name is Yusuf Hassan, and welcome to Abolition Today, a weekly syndicated online radio program with specific focus on modern slavery as it is practiced through the 13th Amendment of the United States Constitution and by for-profit prisons worldwide. We air live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, and 4 Pacific. Live streams and archived podcasts are available at abolitiontoday.org. After a few weeks in the organizing trenches, my brother Max is back to join me with another masterclass of modern slavery abolition. It's so great. It's been lonely in this studio. Peace and welcome back, Max. Thanks, Brother Yusuf. Um, I'm going to ride shotgun today. Cause I'm sick with the flu. I swear, hope I hope it's the flu. I'm gonna find out tomorrow. But let me just say that uh, today marks the first time that Abolition Today is being hosted live from the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center in Sumter, South Carolina. I'm proud to say that, man. Took us a while, but we got uh, there. That is so great. I'm really, I'm, I'm really glad to have you back. I'm hoping you're feeling better soon, Max. We need you 100, percent brother. Need you a hundred percent, and just hearing you from the Paul Coffee Abolition Center, knowing the path that it had taken to get to where we are now, this is tremendous. It'll go down in the annals of history, and our descendants will be proud. They'll look back at this moment, and you know, hopefully, they'll give uh, credit to all of those, specifically you, who have made that come to fruition. So I'm really glad to hear about that. Awesome. So today we want to update you on the states with ballot initiatives to end legal slavery. We also dropped the people's elbow on some of these preposterous pro-slavery arguments. We'll revisit episode 13 when we explained how the revolution will be criminalized. That is happening as we speak. We'll update you on the issue. Of course, we've got amazing new music, similar to what you just heard, to share, and we'll honor the ancestors with our Bridging the Gap segment. We're going to open the lines tonight, so holler if you hear us, 515-605-9814. Remember to press 1 on your keypad so we know you have a question or comment. So, uh, yeah, Max, that opening track, the 13th Amendment, the 13th <laughs> Amendment. <laughs> Really catchy, man. Really catchy. I know, man. And, and it was like amazing. Yeah. The 13th Amendment. The 13th <laughs> Amendment. You so got to get educated. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, yeah that was hot. And the uh, mass incarceration versus slavery narrative. I was real proud to address that with our brothers from Live on the Plantation. 
they had some real good questions for me Thursday, and I did my best to deliver. And I also did the presentation on a Zoom video right here from the Paul Coffey Abolitionist Center. Uh, oh, you got to see awesome. the imagery. It, was, it came out awesome, man. It's a real powerful, powerful tool that we'll have to use. In fact, I said I'm going to listen to the episode in its entirety after our broadcast because I haven't had a chance to listen to that. I want to hear the the entire thing. Is there any word on uh, when the Zoom presentation would be available Um, or if it will be available? Not just yet. I think what the plan to do is to break it up into clips uh, because it was, a lot, like I said, a lot of powerful points we was making and we really focused on certain questions. So I think they want to break it up into clips, but you can hear the entire uh, discussion right here on abolitiontoday.org under Live from the Plantation, Episode 6. Okay, so it, it's there in its entirety. The video is going to come out in parts, though. Okay, great. So you've been gone for three weeks, Max. You know, I mean, I tried I tried to hide it as much. Some people were probably tuning in, and they say, well, wait a minute, I hear Max. They're saying he's not there, but I hear Max. Well, we actually have Max live. So, Max, okay. please give us an update on your efforts of organizing in these past three weeks. Well, yeah, man, that was what I, I needed to do. Uh, so I work with several different groups and organizations that I'm associated with. Uh, first and foremost would be the Abolish Slavery National Network. So, you know, we've really been on the grind with that as far as organizing and bringing states together. So uh, Dennis Febo, who you might hear, you will hear his video later tonight, but you might hear him in person. Him and I have been uh, appointed state directors, co-directors. So, so far, of course, we've got three states on the ballot right now. We've got two states that will be on the ballot in 2022. Uh, we've got I think it's 13 other states that are organizing as we speak to be able to get on the ballot in the coming elections. And our goal is by the end of the year to get 25 states, including Puerto Rico. I w- my mind was blown, dude. I found out that Puerto Rico has an exception clause in their constitution, and it's written in wow. Spanish. <laughs> wow. <laughs> written in Spanish. So, you know. We've had a lot of success getting that done now. Uh, everybody's talking about the 13th Amendment. All the states are starting to get on board. It, it's really happening a lot. And then also we, we're organizing with the, uh, both those who are behind enemy lines inside prisons as well as uh, families of prisoners and organizations that support prisoners and their families. We've been organized with, all, like I think it's like 20 different grassroots organizations for Free the 13th, which is October 26th. 29th. They're going to have speakers and representatives every single day and uh, and they're going to discuss slavery, past, present, and future through the 13th Amendment lens, of course. Um, so at, every day you're going to have somebody who's behind enemy lines who will be a speaker. You'll have somebody who's an activist outside in the free world who will be a speaker or more than one. And you'll also have a representative who is actively involved in removing pro-slavery language from their state constitution. All that's going to happen each day, starting, I believe the starting time is 7 p.m. Eastern Standard, 26th through the 29th. Just look up Free the 13th on Eventbrite and register for that. So we've got that all set up and ready to go now. And then I did a couple of interviews as well, you know, because we're trying to get the word out. So I work with my brother, Darren Moss. I uh, did a wonderful interview with him on uh, on deck 
being black in America. And the panelists there, who some of them was friends of mine, that go back like 20 years, man, you know, and uh, we had a really good conversation. So you should check that out and get the opportunity as well. We covered a lot of the aspects. For me, the idea is to get as much information out there as possible because people want to know now. It's the talk of the town, you know, and we got to make sure that we control our narrative because they – they they hold us by controlling the narrative, the processes, and the resources. Now, we can't control the processes and the resources, but we can damn sure control our own narrative. Absolutely. Absolutely. And those states uh, that have ballot initiatives, that's uh, Amendment 1 in Nebraska, where you can find more information on that at enslaverene at .org. Amendment C in Utah, abolishslaveryutah.org. ACR 145, New Jersey, amendthe13thnj.com. I see we have a couple of callers in the queue. Uh, If anyone wants to speak, make sure you press 1 on your dial to raise your hand. Let us know that you want to speak because I see a couple of numbers that call in quite often. But uh, I know one of them, I wasn't able to get them on the air last week. So if anyone's on the line that wants to... uh, Speak, just press one on your dial and we'll bring you on. That okay, uh, uh, those three states are really our focus for the next three weeks there, Yusuf. Uh, priority absolutely. number one. We want to win that. We want to get these states done. And that'll be five states that no longer have slavery in their constitution. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I see that we have uh, area code 803 has raised their hand. We want to bring 803 on the line. 803, you're on Abolition Today. Hey, how y'all doing? This is Tamika Saley from Columbia, South Carolina. (laughs) She is one of my mentees and daughter. Thank you for calling. Hey, Dad, how you doing, (laughs) Dad? Good to have you. I had to come on and just say I don't I don't have a lot of profound words. I just want to say I'm glad to be a part of the number. I'm proud of what y'all have been doing. Uh, Max has been doing this work forever, and and I'm just glad that people are now starting to take heed to the messages um, about the 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 dangers and and implications of of modern day slavery. You know, it's always been a thing, and I'm glad that people are really starting to take it serious now. And we just got work today to continue to keep. Uh, making sure we know what's going, making let people know what's going on, and and finding ways to just dismantle this whole system. You know, it can't be reformed. It just gotta go. All it gotta go. I'm, I'm, gotta I'm go. Very proud. Very proud. And, and and as and as Max would always say, you cannot reform crimes against humanity. Yes, exactly. You know, I actually got that from another brother. Uh, my man, uh, he's known as John Smith these days. <laughs> uh, but okay. Johannes, Brother Johannes, we used to work together. He said that to me first, and it stuck in my head. And it is true. You cannot reform a crime against humanity. Thank Absolutely. you, Tamika. I love you, baby. And uh, you keep up the good work. She is a world-class poet, if y'all don't know, man. So uh, make sure you check her out. Where can we find you at? Did she leave us? She's probably I'm here. Yeah. Can you say oh. again? Yes. Where can we find you at, poet? You can find me on Facebook um, at Tamika Staley. Uh, well, actually, at on Facebook at Talks with Tam. Talks with Tam. That's T A M. Talks with 
Talks with Sam. That's my uh, Facebook page for all things poetry and social justice. Yes. So. Great I'm there. And on uh, Instagram, awesome. I'm Tamika Staley, C-A-M-M-A-K-A, and Staley, like Don Staley, Duke Staley, S-T-A-L-E-Y, Tamika Staley. Thank on you, Instagram. Awesome. Thank y'all. Y'all have Please. a good night. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, we're just loading them up tonight. Uh, I see. Uh, let's see. Can we? Okay, so I see a couple of other hands raised. We'll bring you in a little later. Just hang on with us. Uh, so, Max. Yes. With uh, some of the things we have coming up, and I look at uh, Reverend. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Maybe you know how to pronounce Ajabu. his name. Reverend Emoja Ajabu. He's one of the original Black Party Panther Party members. And in 2014, he was the first person to run for Congress on a slavery abolitionist platform since John Quincy Adams. He literally broke uh, the ground. He opened the door for all these brothers and sisters you see out there right now who are running for office on a slavery abolitionist platform or already sitting in office and have adopted this slavery abolitionist uh, platform. But he really broke the way through, man. And uh, there's a clip we have of him from 2014. And just to hear, you know, this was the doorway opening right here. And the way he put it together is beautiful. So, yeah, we should play that and then take the call on the other side. Abolition. Today. Hello, I'm Reverend Emoja Jabu, and I'm here to announce my candidacy for the 7th District of Indiana. As you can see, I just became an official candidate to be on the ballot for Indiana's 7th Congressional District. We are going to go forward to where that uh, Congress will not be the same. John Quincy Adams once said, individual liberty is individual power. And as the power of the community is a mass compound of individual powers, the nation, which enjoys the most freedom, must necessarily be in proportion to its numerous and be the most powerful nation. Adams' fierce sense of independent judgment meant that he never fit into the mold of any political party. Adams' increasing independence from any particular political party allowed him to champion the abolitionist movement. Adams felt that he was bounded by the Constitution to make sure that every human that was a citizen of these United States was covered fairly and equally. In 1836, the Southern members of the Congress placed a gag order to say that it was against the law to speak about slavery. Adams' defense of prisoners uh, for the Spanish slave ship Amistad goes down in history. He won that case and said that it was legal for any man or woman to get their freedom by any 
means necessary. I am running my campaign in the spirit of John Quincy Adams. My campaign is going to be a fight to end enslavement because it's not over. The 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, along with Article 1, Section 37 of the Indiana Constitution, provides for one to be enslaved if convicted of a crime. This session, Indiana's legislature saw Senator Mike Delft introduce Senate Joint Resolution 15, SJR 15, that would remove that information or remove that language from the Indiana Constitution. City County Councilor Jose Evans introduced a resolution at the City County Council asking the council to support that legislation and also asking for the mayor of Indianapolis to sign off on the resolution. It's not over. It died in committee because certain people uh, acted like that they had a gag order and couldn't come out and speak against or speak for this legislation. It's time for this silence to stop. I am the first abolitionist candidate since John Quincy Adams. It is time for the language of slavery to be taken out of the Constitution and it is also time for us as the people to quit acting like we have been enslaved. Freedom is now. Freedom will be forevermore. But we will never experience the freedom that we have earned if we do not have the courage to exercise that freedom. So as a candidate, an independent candidate that's running in the Democratic primary, I seek your support because I am unbought, unbossed, and unafraid to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. Together, we win. You ready? Abolition. 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 Man, it's time for the silence to stop. He said it, brother. <laughs> yeah, that that was powerful. And uh. I happened to uh come across a Twitter uh post that he made back in two thousand and fourteen. And he said, you know, I'm an abolitionist candidate for Congress, so abolish means to end something. I want to end this attempt at our mass murder. Are you ready? I need your help. You do yourself a disservice if you do not listen to this brother's words. It is going on. It was it was a post that he made called Caribbean to Europe, time for slavery reparations. And of course, that's a whole other topic. But he's right in everything that he just said in that clip, you know, that. We know what's going on. We see it. You know, it's a shame that uh, it didn't pass in Indiana. And just the mere fact that a hundred, what was what it, about 190 years since uh, 
John Quincy Adams took office. I think he took office around 19, I mean, 19, 1825. That sounds about right. Yeah. Washington, his father, John Adams. Then there was uh, Thomas Jefferson, Madison Monroe, then John Quincy Adams. So yeah, somewhere around 1820-something. I want to say 1825 is when he took office. 18, yeah, it had to be 25 because the election would have been in 24. We don't That's have a to long get time, down point on that one, but that is a long yeah. time. You talk about two centuries, basically. I'm a mathematician, yeah. so you got to excuse me on that one. <laughs> let's, let's, let's pull in one of these callers and see what they got to say about it. Yeah, absolutely. So let's bring in 212. 212, you are now on the air with Abolition Today. Uh-huh. 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 <laughs> My name is Matope Maduze Nyungu. Max knows me as Jay Ice. What is going on, Max? Hey. <laughs> Peace, sister. Yes, Max knows it as J Ice. We go so far back, man, like dirt and water. <laughs> we go back. That's right. Man. That's right. Uh, and oh, before uh, I say anything, I want to salute uh, Brother Youssef as well. Can't leave you out of the greeting. Thank you. Thank you. Peace, sister. Peace. Peace. So I just, I just want to salute the work that is is going on right now, led by my brother Max. Um, I, I was there, you know, and I humbly submit that, that I was there at the beginning of this work. And I'm so honored to see that it's still continuing. I mean, no compromise, no surrender. Big ups, brother. It is <laughs> such an honor to know that, that you're, um, you know, that you're still continuing. And I have to credit you with, um, you know, my beginnings as, uh, uh, as a revolutionary, um, so far back as what year was that, Max? Uh, the, the March Fourth for Freedom. <laughs> oh, that was 2010. Yep. Uh huh. Wow. Was it really? What? That yeah, that was a ago. decade ago. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and 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 congratulations on the Abolitionist Center, the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center. That brought tears to my eyes. To see, because I know what this struggle has been. I absolutely oh. know. <laughs> like, you know, for real, for real. Like, you were one of the first people, you were on the phone with me when I found out my son hadn't been incarcerated. And that was 15, 16 years ago. And he's mm-hmm. gotten out of there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, we was on the phone together when that happened 16 yes. years ago. And now he's yes. been, 17 years, actually, because he's doing real good now. He's been out two years. That's dope. That's so dope. Yeah. Well, we knew it would happen. We knew it would happen. And I still have the, the notebook where I was um, working on our documentary. <laughs> I still Man. have that. Can you believe it, Max? Like, all of this technology, can you imagine if we had it then, what we have now? <laughs> we predicted this all in whisper words, man. You know, we, we knew it was Absolutely. coming one day. And here we are doing it. And for for, for those that don't know, Max has always been about this revolutionary life. And we revolutionized, he revolutionized poetry 
and um, uh, what was the show called, Max? Um, it was all uh, online. The session live. The session. The session live. The session the live. World's first. World's first telecipher is what we called uh-huh. it, right? Poet, a poetry mm. Yeah, yeah, telecipher. It and the hot. whispered words. Uh, uh, it was whispered words, right? The mix CD. Yeah, whispered words mix. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. We yeah, were the first yeah. MP3 days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. And I, As a I matter of fact, such an honor. we're on Blog Talk Radio right now today, right? But the very mm-hmm. first Blog Talk Radio show that ever came on had us on it. I was on it doing the uh, poem about uh, what happened in New Orleans. It was called Helicane. And that was the very first I show. Remember. <laughs> yeah, because we did the poet sign. We did the poet sign. Yes, yes, the poet sign. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Look at Blog Talk Radio now, multi million dollar business. Can you imagine? I mean, well, yeah, we could imagine. <laughs> we did imagine. And which is yeah, why I, it's here. So I, go ahead, Nate. I should have a lifetime freaking account from them, man. But yeah. Yeah, you should. Thank you so much. Yes, you should. So I'm I definitely wanted to to drop in and and Do just that. offer those salutes. <laughs> yeah, when I when I when I can get there, and I also wanted to invite you guys. Um, you know, the we're the Black is Back Coalition for Peace, Social Justice, and Reparations is holding a march in D.C. on November seventh uh, and eighth. And, you know, we're just going to take it there since it's titled Black Power Matters, because that's what we're talking about when we're talking about abolition and we're talking about the road to freedom. And I heard you guys mention reparations. I had just attended a march for reparations yesterday um, uh, that was led by the Yuhuru Solidarity Movement, which is an organization of white people who um, are forging the way for reparations under the leadership of the African working class. Um, I'm also the chair of Buy Black Power, which is a strategy of the African People's Socialist Party to create wealth that's not simply inspired by, um, well, really to create commerce that's not just inspired by an aspiration of individual wealth, but that recognizes itself in the struggle for self-determination. You know, because we, you know, in our our economic life has been pushed backwards. You know, we, we used to be self-determining people who grew our own food and owned our own stores and businesses, but we've been forced into economic dependency and exploited by the parasitic capitalist socialist system that's wealthy at the expense of black people and other oppressed people's labor and resources. So it's important the fight that is, uh, you know, uh, geared towards abolition. And I think the brother mentioned it earlier, reform is not enough. It has to be revolutionized. It has to be revolutionized. We can't reform our way out of this system that was built on our backs. So we have to it, imagine it a world that never existed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what we have to do. A world that has never yeah. existed yet. We're creating it. <laughs> we're definitely creating it. So, you know, with Buy Black Power, it's more than a slogan. It's a revolutionary demand to politicize commerce in order to shift the ownership of the means of production and distribution back into our own hands. You know, and so this fight 
that that you all are in. You know, it's, it's I wouldn't say it's a parallel fight. It's part of the entire revolution for us all. So I salute you, and and you know whatever we can do to help continue it on. Hopefully, you guys can show up in 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 D.C. But if not, there's other opportunities where we can possibly work together in order to continue it on. Uh, well, you definitely have to send us. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say the same thing, Max. We're on the same page. Send the info. Yeah. 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 And send us the I, info. I, I, we'll definitely get the message out there. I'd like okay, to say. And who do I send it to? Well, you got direct contact with me and Yusuf. I'm, I'm pretty okay. sure by now. We'll so just that. shoot us a message there. Um, okay. I, great. I would like to say I think I think Mom is smiling right now. <laughs> Don't make me cry <laughs> As I hear your voice I remember that time in the living room Where the whole squad was there and <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah Trying to figure out what to feed y'all And <laughs> wow. In the living room And how you bonded with mom over coffee <laughs> Yeah, we, we connected for sure For life uh, Coffee well, in the newspaper in the kitchen. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta bring out a uh, call to action for my brother Dennis Feeble, and I just want to say thank you for calling you and Tamika as well and supporting for so many years. We love you, and uh, we, we got your back. So shoot us that information, and I look forward to talking mm-hmm. to you again, Jay. All right. Will do. Thank you so much great for having talking me. to you, sister. Definitely. Thank you. You as well, brother. Uhuru. Peace. <laughs> Uhuru. That's right. So yeah, man, we got a call to action from our brother Dennis Febo. For uh, those who don't know, Dennis Febo's been on our program multiple times, and he is the leader of the Amend the 13th New Jersey uh, movement over there, and uh, he's got a call for action in regards to a. Well, you know what? Let me just let him explain. Here he is. Abolition. Abolition. Today. Peace family, Dennis Febo, Guasavara Insights, Amanda 13th, New Jersey. Just making sure I wanted to put out their public service announcement. Uh, Monday coming up right now, 10 a.m., the state of New Jersey legislature is holding a public hearing on Bill SCR 96, the bill to permanently abolish slavery in the state of New Jersey by adding language. Slavery and involuntary servitude are illegal in the state of New Jersey, including as a punishment for a crime. Family, out of all the things that we're doing, we're talking slavery in 2020. Now, I know there's a whole lot of talk behind it. At the end of the day, it shouldn't exist in our Constitution. Uh, Our forefathers and our ancestors fought very hard. As a matter of fact, Civil War, 620,000 people died on the construct of slavery. But they never ended it. They added that exception clause, and it has really caught a lot of our people within the system. This country is 5% of the world's population, 25% of the world's inmates, and a very high concentration of black and brown men and women. This needs to end, y'all. We need to really talk about this as if what it's supposed to look like by providing solution. But all I know is in such solution, the concept of profit, incentive, and justice should not exist. No private corporation, no third party out there should be making profit off of anyone's physical body. I don't care what they did. That resembles way too much pre-1865 when the 13th Amendment was passed. The fight for every state to incorporate their anti-slavery language into the state constitutions has been a unified effort. And now we know 
from all the states coming together. On August 28th, we finally abolished Slavery National Network. We got a whole bunch of states at the table, a lot of powerful brothers and sisters that are coming together that want to abolish the concept of slavery in their respective states. This is also going to be a federal campaign, being that we need two-thirds majority of the states to make it happen. Family, you have till Friday, 3 p.m. to register to speak on Monday. Out of anything that you can speak on, I will hope that you can speak on uh, the immorality, the injustice, and the fact that slavery should have no exceptions, especially in this state. That slavery is illegal in all of its forms in international law, so allow the state of New Jersey and allow the people of the state of New Jersey to have their voices heard and say, yo, we do not want this in our state. Um, that being said, I know that's only one step to out of the many things we need to do, but at least we're working from the right construct. We know that the concept of making profit off of people's bodies ain't going to exist no more. That justice be justice, that people who deserve justice face it in a way that while they're going to face it, can still be humane. It can still be humane. We also have the highest population of young people, of juveniles in this country, half a million. I mean, no, 500,000 incarcerated juveniles around the country more than any other place in the world. We have babies in cages. You can go on your phone right now and get a stock app and invest into private corporations who invest into incarceration of black and brown bodies specifically. If you look at the numbers and why we talk about it, you know what I'm talking about. New Jersey has the highest disproportion between black and white arrest, incarceration, and conviction in the country. Something needs to be done, and we know that step one has to do with the language and the codification of how we've gotten at our people. And that being said, slavery needs to end now. I love y'all family. I hope to, to see that y'all would register. I posted the instructions in an earlier post, so they're on my page. Uh, have your voice heard, family. We didn't say love. Abolition. Abolition. That was Brother Dennis Febo out of New Jersey with the Amendment 13th New Jersey movement there. Uh, one of the three states that need their your support right now. And he told you specifically how you can do it. So check him out on Facebook at Dennis Febo. Uh, two N's in Dennis, F-E-B-O. Uh, he, the information is all right there. We'll also share it through Abolition Today uh, after the program. Yusuf? Yeah, very powerful. And we're fortunate enough to have uh, Dennis right here with us. I'm going to bring him in on the line any second now. Once, uh, Okay, so we're all set up. Dennis, uh you're on live with Abolition Today. Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, family. How y'all doing? Peace, uh, peace. peace, brother. Yeah. All right, all Welcome right. Back. I'm excited. So, you know, they just heard you, and, and it sounded hot with that music in the background. You know it did, right? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they just heard you. So why don't you tell them exactly where they need to go to real quick, if you can? Because they are, they, you know, you broke it down pretty nicely. So, uh, the only thing that wasn't there was like a website or something like that in case they can't get to your Facebook page. Yeah, so actually it, it gets the all, all government proceedings because of COVID. Everything is online now, so it makes it easier for political participation. Uh, every governmental entity has a different uh, means of issuing out the information to the public. As for the New Jersey legislature, they have their own live feed so your easiest bet to reach it is just go on google type new jersey legislature or nj legislature 
Um, and then that first link that pops up, for, it says New Jersey Legislature. Just click it, and when that opens, you'll see a big red button. It says Watch Live Proceedings. There was an error on the website, so the proceedings are at, begin at noon, and they open up with uh, the first ever New Jersey legislative uh, public hearing on amending the 13th Amendment to rid of the exception clause. Man, I'm just so proud of y'all to hear it from Brother Amosa Agabu to Dennis Febo over this past six years. And to know that whole vision exists and has grown from the seeds that were planted early on and to see the fruit that you're bearing right now, it's just mind-blowing, man. I'm very proud of you, brother. Keep doing what you do for sure, man. No doubt. And let it be known that everybody else has the ability to do this, too. Um, I think it's, you know, I never really cared too much growing up about the legislative process and, and politics because we all get turned off. But that's the way they we're defeated a lot because we don't participate, because we're turned off. The system can continue to get away with whatever they want to get away with. But when enough people come together, and it doesn't have to be thousands of people, but just a few people, a few bright minds and a few good hearts, there's no reason why you couldn't change anything, especially through the legislative process. While tedious and sometimes frustrating because of the egos of the people that you face, at the end of the day, if you know that you're moving from right to a position of righteousness and what's right for the, our people, then we mm-hmm. never stop. We never stop. We keep pushing until it gets done. And there's no reason why we shouldn't have our voices heard. As a matter of fact, absolutely. further, Dennis Febo has a video that you can check out if you're in a state that does not have an exception clause, which there's 25 states like that. So if you're in one of those states but you want to help to end slavery in America and you're an organizer, you can go to our Abolition Today page on YouTube and click the playlist that says Abolish Slavery National Network. Abolish Slavery National Network also has its own website, abolishslavery.us. But check that playlist out, Abolish Slavery National Network, and you'll see uh, that how-to right there in your own state. You don't mind me sharing yeah, that with absolutely. you. Did we lose him? Dennis, you still there? He, he might have went yeah, off. I'm here. I don't mind. Yeah. Sorry, I, try, I was trying to unmute it. I don't mind. You can share. Okay. Yeah, I'm kind of after the fact, but it, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, that's, so, that's, the, that's the blueprint. That's the blueprint. Yeah. Make sure y'all... We're going to get that a little bit more narrowed down, too, soon. So, so that, you know, every any state that comes to the table and wants to get it done, uh, they have their specific blueprint for their state and what, needs to, and what, what moves need to be made. So that's right. CR 96 this Monday at noon, man. I'm definitely going to be tuning in, and I might even be one of the people that call on the talk. I hope so. As a native-born and bred New Jerseyan, I really hope so. Um, I indeed, hope so, man. too. I, yeah. I was able to get my letter in, but I knew I wouldn't be available this Monday because of another commitment, but it's also towards the same end. But, uh, yeah, I definitely made sure to get my letter in. Uh also, uh, I think you have a couple of new municipalities or counties that are on board in New Jersey now, Dennis? Well, yeah, we're at six cities, and we still got more in the works, but we got Jersey City, Patterson, Hoboken, Roselle, Atlantic City, and then last week it was Morristown. Beautiful thing about Morristown was they had their public hearing two weeks before that, 
and a lot of the students from Morristown High School called in to voice their support, which apparently was very moving to the room that the high school students called in. So, and this was independent of me doing that work. They did that on their own. Well, That's amazing. I spreading. It's spreading. One more thing I want to thank you for is because of you, not only does my home state support what we're doing, but my hometown supports it. So, yes. Thank you, Dennis. I appreciate you uh, for that, brother. For real, for real. Yeah, (laughs) Sister Kalina from Patterson held that down over there. Shout out to Kalina. Uh, Check them out at uh, amend13nj. uh, Is it dot com or dot org? Dot com. Dot com. Amend the 13th. NewNJ.com uh, and show your support if you're in New Jersey. And I know I got some listeners right now in New Jersey, <laughs> you know, so show some support, all right? Hey, hey Dennis, we're going to get into our next seven, man, but hang on if you got something to say throughout the show, uh, just to, you know, press the, the number one. You know how it rolls, right? No problem, brothers. Appreciate you. Thank you, fam. Yeah, thanks for calling in, brother. Thanks for the support, no man, and all the work you do. Wait, word, Thank you. man. You know, for the three weeks I was out, Yusuf, man, I didn't look for any new music, you know. Uh, I used mm-hmm. normally look for new music that is relative to what we're doing every week for the program. So I didn't have to do that. And then they come back just a few days ago and start looking. Man, it was so much stuff about the 13th Amendment. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. And just coming out from yeah. artists everywhere. Uh, my son had done something about it. and uh, Everybody was doing something about it. And I ran across this one from Dex Elliott and Tony Touch uh, called The Auction nice. Block. So I think people are going to really enjoy this. And it breaks down everything. You know, we put the music together with the speakers so you understand what's happening here. After all, we're trying to teach. So let's learn something. Let's get educated. Let's get educated. Abolition. Let's get educated. The detention center that I'm going to sell today really is state-of-the-art. It's as good as it can possibly get. You have the people coming into that pipeline, so you have an endless supply of product. No matter what your business is, what you're looking for, we will have a steady supply of people in America to fill this facility. I'm asking you want to five million five. The new analysis of the U.S. prison population finds more black men are incarcerated now than were enslaved in 1850. The figures are stunning. They are sobering, eye-opening numbers. The latest estimates by the Bureau of Justice putting the number of imprisoned African-American men at more than 846,000. Lashes from the whips, murdered by the loaded cliffs, slave ships, black folk apocalypse, shaking hips, poking at the lips, a foolery, civil rights movement eclipse, went from making waves to these little bitty drips. Modern day slaves, bloods in the crypts, orange jumpsuits, mug shots, fingerprints. Time to meet Mathacar, bend over strip. Dictatorship over all fellowship. You can get clipped, being soft, don't slip. Better get a grip in this medieval castle. Pull your whole card if you instigate hassle. Slave against slave in the mud where you wrestle. Thought you was tough until they tore into that asshole. Penitentiary, that's auction block. Plantation field, that's the yard on lock. Slanging them rocks and busting shots. Leading us off to the auction block Locking us up by loads and flocks Sending us off to the auction block Auction block, auction block 24-7 all around the clock Auction block, auction block 
Another lost black sheep Build a penitentiary for massa ain't cheap Dangle in the bait, yo, they plot real deep Slave on the system, out to catch it for the keep Closed down factories, bankrupt cities Streets getting grimy, your folks more gritty Killing and murder ain't showing no pity Far from the days of the do-wide ditty Crooked politicians in every inner city Not just the top, yo, the whole damn committee Keep cells full, lace their pockets real pretty Murky waters, black sided daughters Setting booby traps out to catch you for the slaughter Slinging them rocks and busting shots It's leading us off to the auction block Locking us up by loads and flocks Sending us off to the auction block Auction block, auction block 24-7 all around the clock Auction block, auction block The morning lock down the hide It's plain to see the commodity Making up rich as you and me complex is a business and we are a commodity. We were brought here as a commodity and as soon as they figured out that they could no longer use us in the way they use us, they had to figure out a new way to use us. And when this way runs out, they'll come out with another way to use us. Until we wake up, until we raise our consciousness, until we recognize that I want you to kill each other. I want you to call your sister by the B-name. I want you to call each other niggas. I want y'all to rob and steal each other. You know why? Because I make money all the way to the bank. My daughter's a my uncle is a judge, my nephew is a prosecutor, my cousin is a defense attorney, and my, my brother is a correctional officer, my other cousin is a warden, and if you die and kill each other, I make the vomit for to bury your daddy. Abolition. 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 You just heard immigrants for sale. Uh, that actually was them auctioning off a prison, talking about how uh, there's going to be plenty of product, as in people, coming through there in America. Yes, that's what you heard. And that was followed by Dex Elliott and Tony Touch with Auction Block. Yusuf. Tony Toka. Man, it, you know, it, it, it was a great song, great content, catchy, you know. Even though it almost like a dance tune, you know, <laughs> that I could hear them spinning in the club somewhere, you know, I just, I was rocking my head know, to it right here. Yeah, I'm like, and then, you know, when you focus in on the content of the song, you see the ultimate reality behind it, yes. you know, from the auction going on before the song and then they're telling it right in the song look exactly. look at all the traps that's out here all the traps that, that have been laying out and people are falling for the traps and then some people just still can't grasp how it's slavery that's right. that's the baffling part that there's still people that don't understand what slavery is they've been you know, and they'll call it every other name yeah they have every other name for it Except slavery itself It's slavery but they'll call it everything else All kinds of nicknames for it All kinds of other catchy terms uh, Terms that uh, That don't Speak to the seriousness Of it 
and don't go as in-depth, like if you talk about mass incarceration, which is why you had to do the interview that you did with Live from the Plantation, you know, or they'll say, uh, uh, many other things they'll call it. I can't think of anything offhand, but there are other names that they call the stuff, you know, and they'll oh. say it's like slavery, and it's definitely not slavery, and you know, something that I like to uh, to uh, say what you say. I quote you with this. What do we want to hear? Language. What are we fighting? Language. Language. Word. Max Parth said it best. You know? <laughs> Word. Uh, yeah, it's important. Language is important. You change your language, you change your mind. You change your mind, you change your actions. If you change your mind, your ass will follow. You know how it works. But you got to start mm-hmm. changing your language. You know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah, man. Right. Uh, I just like I said earlier, I've been getting a hold of a lot of music here, so I like to incorporate music into this because they're messengers just like we are. They're telling the truth just like we are. They're breaking it down just like we are. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, I know that if people like something, they'll remember it. So I make sure that we keep providing them with that. You know, especially the younger generation. Like you said, you could be dancing in the club to to auction block. Auction block, and you're hearing this message and understanding as you're dancing. It's amazing, man. Right. It is what it is. Uh, I, I saw a, a video yesterday, and I got a song mm. off of the video, but it was called Six Minutes uh, Black Black American History in Six Minutes. I think that's what it was called. But there was a song mm-hmm. on it called Children of the City by Aaron Abernathy, and I was like, whoa. Okay. So I want to play that, right? Uh, and it's going to okay. be follow, and it's going to be also uh, including slavery by another name, with Khalil Professor Khalil Gibran Muhammad speaking about convict mm-hmm. leases. So you know how we do it; we put them together like that. Right. Um, so uh, unless we have a caller that has something to say or wants to make a quick question or comment, I'll go ahead and enter that. If you do want to make a question or comment, uh, press one on your keypad, and remember the number is five one five six zero five nine eight one four. All right, Yusuf. I'll go ahead into it. How's that? Yeah, let's do it. Abolition. Abolition. Convict leasing in the South in this period becomes a new way of racial control among uh, white Southerners attempting to limit African-American economic independence and freedom in general. And what that means is that state officials would sell the labor of an African-American prisoner to a private contractor. The terms of that agreement usually involved a period of time, say 10 days for a, a very minor sentence, to uh, up to a year. And in exchange for getting the labor of the prisoner and taking full custody of the prisoner by the private contractor, the state would receive revenue. What that meant in terms of what convict leasing Uh, involved was that African Americans would work in any industry, whether working for a private farmer, whether it was in a a brick-making factory, a coal mine, any number of business concerns, and the business owner would have absolute dominion over the black person for the period of time of the lease. 
But once you were in the system, you could spend the rest of your life there. And that was a direct consequence of the reality of being a convict lease and having to fight literally to survive day by day in incredibly brutal conditions. I mean, that's why when someone asked me about violence, I just uh, I just find it incredible. It's because it, what it means is that the person who's asking that question is absolutely no idea what black people have gone through, what black people have experienced in this country since the first black person was kidnapped from the
5-605-9814. You just heard uh, Khalil Gibran Muhammad, Professor Khalil Gibran Muhammad, speaking about convict leasing in the film, Slavery by Another Name, and uh, that was followed by Children of the City, Aaron Abernathy. Yusuf? Tough song, and you know, I'm a, I'm a uh, big neo-soul you know, follower. So, you know, I know a lot about the brother. I'm very familiar with him from when he uh he uh worked with Slum Village and uh Black Milk and that whole little movement. So yeah, I'm very familiar with him and I also uh realize that he's related to the civil rights leader Reverend Ralph David Abernathy. Wow. You know, so he's following right along in that path, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Passing it on, just like we had your daughter call in earlier. You know, you pass it on. We have this obligation. Uh huh. Oh yeah, yeah. You're, I don't know why I said your daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sister. Yeah, uh, 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 yeah sister in the struggle for sure. Go way back, a couple decades. Yeah. So yeah, man, that, that children in the city that was hot. Gonna make it was, man. Love that bass, love that bass line. Uh huh. You know. Have some little D'Angelo and Bilal type feel to it, you know. Yeah, carrying on legacies, man. That's beautiful to know. I I didn't know that. I'm glad you schooled me on that. But that's what we're doing here, because you know, the reason we call this the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center is because Tribal Rain is a descendant of Paul Cuffey, the abolitionist captain. You see that? So you know, we're carrying on the legacies, man, Uh, as we should, (laughs) for sure, for sure. So the phone lines are open. Uh, I see we had some calls and they dropped off. If you have a question or comment, 515-605-9814. Just go ahead and call in. We'll leave the lines open. Throughout this whole show, that's what we're going to do tonight. You know, we're going to play some clips, take a call or two, talk a little bit. we got some things to cover, so we got a schedule. But the the lines are open. Yeah, and it's ironic because, you know, I usually get calls on my phone during this time. You know, on on my cell, I call from a different line into the show, but on my cell, I usually get calls, and I didn't get one this week, you know, especially from the guys in the uh, prisons in New Jersey, because I haven't heard from, you know, some of them in a while, and I would just even love to get an update for that, and we always send a message out to the families, you know, of the incarcerated, you know, that we'd love to hear from you just so we can get an update or get a feel of what's going on, where they are, any, you know, important information that the listeners need us to get out to the public, you know, definitely reach out to us, you know, on on, uh, Facebook or I'm in many of the groups of the, you know, families of the incarcerated. So we're definitely looking for any of that information, Max. 
Well, as I said, you know, we'll just go ahead and do what we got to do. And if you want to call in, just make sure you press one on your keypad so we'll know. Uh, I want to talk about the three states and the counter arguments. Because, you know, as we've been saying, we've got three states on the ballot right now that need our support. That is Utah, uh, Nebraska, and New Jersey. And this is unprecedented, people. This is history in the making. Like, literally, you have never seen this before. And don't act like you have because it never happened. You know what I mean? So this is history being done right now by the abolitionists. And the industries that would be most affected by this, as you all know, are going to be prison labor industries like Unicorn, where prisoners work for pennies on the dollar, because that's got to be challenged now. You know, so we've been getting all kinds of arguments with that on it and uh, other arguments. As a matter of fact, I want to play a clip of one. But it comes from Anthony Brian Logan. Anthony Brian Logan is a black conservative with a very popular podcast program. And he, during the period when uh, Kanye West addressed the 13th Amendment directly in front of the president, to the president, in the White House, in the Oval Office, the first person to do so since Frederick Douglass, when, when Kanye West did that, this conservative knew exactly what he was talking about. When all of the people who call themselves like liberals and Democrats and, you know, freedom fighters was everybody that they could see that Kanye West wanted to abolish the amendment that ended slavery, he knew that wasn't the case. And he broke it down. But you're going to hear mm-hmm. what he broke, why he broke it down and what he disagrees about. This is, this is out there, man. And it's going to be followed by Kay Rhino. It's always one. As a matter of fact, I want to give a big shout out to Derek Tally, who hit me up with that K Rhino song, and he's also following in our footsteps, brother, and speaking on this thing in his program called GraffitiTalkRadio.net, where he discussed the prison industrial complex like it was Max and Yusuf up in there. They were breaking it down. So you'll hear that from mm. K Rhino. And shout out to my brother. We'll be right back. Abolition. Abolition. The reason why I said you should not abolish it is because I agree with the clause in there that Kanye West does not. Let's read the amendment in question and then we'll break it down. Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. Now, what does that mean? That means slavery has been abolished. That was back in the 1860s. But if you are a criminal, if you've been convicted, if you're in a penitentiary, jail, or whatever, you can be a slave. That's why you got people working in there for a dollar a day or something like that. It's because of the 13th Amendment. So I knew what Kanye West meant right away. He meant, let's take out the part in there that says, except as a result of being convicted of a crime. Let's have slavery be totally wiped away. But even a place like TMZ, which he's been so gracious to over the past few days, weeks, months, or whatever, they put out a headline talking about Kanye West wants to abolish 13th Amendment, which outlaws slavery. So people reading that, they think that Kanye West wants to bring slavery back because he wants to abolish a 13th Amendment, but that's not what it is, all right? Even a person like Ava DuVernay, who made a documentary about the amendment, which says that you can be a slave again in jail 
spoke out against Kanye. You should be supporting the man. But I guess your political affiliation comes even beyond your own personal interest. Okay? You should support him because this statement kind of, you know, validates your particular piece of artwork or whatever you want to call it, your documentary, the 13th. But we see how deranged and crazy liberals are. They'll be so far into their ideology, they'll miss things that will even help themselves. So I disagree with it because I think that the clause should be in there as a deterrent. If you don't want to be a slave again, don't sign up for it. Don't commit crime. Cry me a river. If you want to be out here slanging dope, beating up old ladies or whatever, and then you get sent to the penitentiary and you got to shovel horse manure or press license plates for a dollar every two days then so be it that was your choice to get into a life of crime now that doesn't mean i think everything up under the sun should be illegal there should be some reform there you shouldn't just be able to get locked up for just any old random thing you know but at the same time if you're out here committing crime harming people harming yourself or whatever making society more dangerous and you get sent to the penitentiary i think, I think that clause in the 13th amendment, amendment would be good to have, to have in there, there to, prevent to prevent you from recidivizing and prevent you from coming there in the first place. If I know that when I get sent to the penitentiary, not only will it be dangerous, but I'll be a slave again. Maybe I won't commit crime. Maybe I'll try to figure out something else in my life. Have you lost your damn mind? Abolition. Man, if you notice, every time something goes down in the black community, the first thing they do is bring some other black person on the TV screen to justify the wrong that just happened to the black person. See, that's all set up by these news networks, man. Don't pay attention to these rat soup eating bastards, man. Get the real. Come on. When you watch Fox News, just sit back, y'all. Every time something go down, they get that call. Black person gets killed by a cop's assault. Another black coon saying it's the victim's fault. Look at him grinning and teasing. He's so smiley. Can't wait to show his loyalty to Bill O'Reilly. Any other time, Bill will be cutting you off. But since you selling out your people, he gonna let you talk. I'm shaking my head, tripping on how fake you are. You say the cop was in the right damn. What tape you saw? You a straight came off like a phony and lied. Talking about he would have lived if he'd have only complied. The folks that hate us most, them the people you trust. Who the hell told your dumb ass you speaking for us? Buck dance every time that you get your chance. But if we put you in the hood, you'll shit your pants. Boy, I tell you, man, it's always one. You still kiss in the ass after all they done. You gon' ride with the courts, you gon' slide with the law. Out here looking for a piece, they can slide in their jaw. Boy, I tell you, man, it's always one. You still kiss in the ass after all they done. You gon' ride with the courts, you gon' side with the laws. Out here looking for a piece, they can slide in their jaw. More drama to go. I laugh harder at them than at a comedy show. Whatever they say about us, that's what you agree to. Kind of funny how that's the only time we see you. It's sickening. What's happening in the mind of these dudes? I be wondering where the hell they be finding these fools and these dumb chicks too. I ain't with that yet. You gotta drop it like it's hot just to get that check. See the news network's slick way to be racist is to get dumb black folks to make those statements. They don't even recognize how they mind them flip. Co-signing like you trying to help them buy I'm a whip. See, Pippin ain't dead cause I'm watching the show. Gotta prove to white America that you's a good hoe. They be laughing at you soon, you gon' learn that's true. Don't try to bring your ass back when they turn on you. Huh. Boy, I tell you, man, it's always one. You still kissing the ass after all they done. You gon' ride with the courts, you gon' slide with the laws. Out here looking for a piece, they can slide in their jaws. Boy, I tell you, man, it's always 
course, you gon' side with the laws. Out here looking for a piece, they can slide in their jaws. Now these dumb preachers out here, they probably the worst. You let these slimy politicians all in your church. You let them in the pulpit, let them sing in the choir. Whole congregation clapping for this slick-ass liar. Why he coming to the church now? He never been with you. Now you giggling and lining up to take you a picture. He a killer laying in the weeds, ready to get you. Bet his ass couldn't quote one line of the scripture. They just want the black vote. He don't have no respect. Oh, I get it now. He done cut the pastor a check. So you lead the sheep to slaughter, glad to elect. But once he get elected, you suffer the after effect. You big dummy, you don't even notice how he come at you. Three years and he ain't did nothing that he promised you. Now you're trying to call him, but that didn't work. He changed his number the same day he left your church, fool. Boy, I tell you, man, it's always one. You still kissing the ass after all they done. You gon' ride with the courts, you gon' slide with the law. Out here looking for a piece, they can slide in their jaw. I think we should have a moment of silence for Anthony Brian Logan, who uh, was killed dead here on Abolition Today on October 18th. May his soul rest in peace. K-Rhino is the accused killer, and he's going to get away with murder. <laughs> man. Yeah, he, he, he put him down. He definitely Dude, took you, him out, man. Make no mistake, that was a pro-slavery argument by a black man in 2020. Talking about, <laughs> I think it should be in there. It's a great deterrent. You shouldn't be committing a crime. And I'm thinking to myself, damn, y'all would have, you, you mean to tell me you would have seen Wesley Snipes enslaved for tax evasion. If that's how you feel, you would have seen Khalif Browder enslaved for an accusation over a backpack theft. That's what you're saying to us right now, right? Oh, man. Yeah, it's, it's so much that's not even included in that because, see, his argument is, I think. Now, K. Rhino killed him with real situations, and we're getting ready to uh, beat on a dead horse. With some facts. So go ahead, Matt. Let's. I'll let you start it off, and then I have some facts that I want to throw on his grave as well. Oh, oh man, go ahead. Do what you got to do. Pull out your machine gun and stop firing. <laughs> Knowledge is power, and it could be like bullets too. But <laughs> you know. Before we came on the air, I just happened to come across an article that uh, Reuters released two days ago. Uh, It's entitled, as soon as I can scroll to the top, Why 4,998 Died in U.S. Jails Without Getting Their Day in Court. They start off talking about a situation where a young man was arrested for something a misdemeanor offense that would have been about a $500 fine. He got arrested, and by the next day, he'd been beaten to death by guards. Casual killing act. No one was ever charged for it. And they said between 2002 and 2000 and – hold on. Let me get the correct stats. Between 2000 and – all of a sudden, I'm having computer issues – with scrolling 
So between 2008 and 2019, 7,571 inmate deaths Reuters documented in an unprecedented examination of mortality in more than 500 U.S. jails. This is jails. They're not even talking about the prisons. And they said 4,998 people were never convicted of the charges in which they were being held. Never convicted. So that alone kills that thought. Rounded off. 5,000 people were arrested. That means that there was a complaint against them for all of the, a complaint about selling drugs and some of the other things he said, beating up old people, whatever, all the things he was throwing out there. But they had never been convicted, but yet, but yet they were still subjected to the exception clause of the 13th Amendment because there was no redress from the families or for the families of their loved ones being murdered at the hands of correction officers. So he's okay with that because, you know, he's okay with the exception clause being in there. He's okay with someone being arrested on not being able to pay a fine. And because they get convicted, they can be, you know, or they will be sold into slavery where they're now state property. See, he's okay with that. You know, it it pisses me off to hear stuff like that because it's always one. That's it's, always one it's always one, yeah, man. It's always one. Uh, and it's more than one nowadays. It's more than one. Right. Like they literally would see you sold into slavery for a pat on the head. And it's just it's just crazy. I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Because, you know, we didn't decide to be niggas. They called us niggas. Right. They created the nigger. They created the one drop rule. That's their stuff. That's not our identity. Right. That's what they applied to us. <laughs> right. But yeah, we, we can get into that. But I think K. Rhino did it best. He just tore that ass all up. I, I, I'm feeling K. Rhino right sure now. Did. Yeah, he sure so. did. And, I mean, and most people, I mean, you know the prison policy initiative map where they show how many people, you know, are in prisons and in county jails and federal prison. They really break it down as a great map. And yeah, we're, we're planning to go into that. 10%. Thing. As a matter of fact, you can really start yeah. with that now? All right. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, wasn't even, I wasn't even aware of that. Well, we, you know, like, this segment yeah. right here is where we're supposed to go into the Nebraska argument because, you know, we got an argument with Nebraska now. And in fact, as that's uh, Anthony Brian Logan's uh, sellout narrative, and the song "It's Always One" is yeah the perfect uh, segue into the <laughs> yep. next section. Perfect segue. So yeah, so what we're dealing with in Nebraska is, is we had one of the senators come out against Amendment One. You know, and organizers have been worried about it. You know, like, wow, you know, bad press. Uh, but the thing is, the dude really don't understand what he's talking about, at least not from what we read. Uh, he went through a number of amendments that he uh, wanted to, you know, put his words in on. And uh, what's his name again there? Yusuf, let me look him up right here real quick. Mike, it's Mike Senator Rowan, Mike Rowan. Yeah. 
Yeah, Senator Mike Groen, and he had some words to say about Amendment 1 in Nebraska. He said, the noun slavery, in quotations, is the state of being under the control of someone where a person is forced to work for another. It does not always coincide with being a slave where one is the property of another. Now, first of all, what the hell is you talking about, man? Like, really? What? Slavery is the state of being under the control of someone where a person is forced to work for another? You apparently don't know what slavery means, at least not in the terms of chattel slavery. And then to go on to say right. it does not always coincide with being a slave where one is the property of another. If you are the property of someone, how the hell can you not be a slave? Like that, that's what he just said. That, well, you're not always a slave if somebody owns you. <laughs> like, what? Grown, Senator Grown, come on now. Then he goes on further to say, today, when a judge gives a sentence of community service, making a young vandal clean up his graffiti, or when a convict is required to attend rehabilitation classes as a condition of release from confinement, both could be considered involuntary servitude or a form of slavery. If Amendment 1 passes, taxpayers may be forced to pay convicts a minimum wage to make their... Man, you know, like this... You can't put too much stupid in one location. Like, you, you really are putting your own foot in your mouth right now. Like, you just... You're acting as if you don't know, Senator, that Unicor is a billion-dollar-a-year industry. You're acting like you don't know that in the state of Nebraska, uh, the average pay to prisoners is 11 cents an hour in public works, which is outside the prison industry, and as much as a dollar eight cents an hour for private works within the prison industry. And they do have prisoners who are working inside the industries in Nebraska. I mean, we found out so many things about what's going on in Nebraska, but I think the most important thing that we found out, you said, is that there's a $450 million new contract to build a brand new prison because Nebraska's prisons are at 140% occupancy right now. And this is, you know, we understand how warehousing bodies work. We also looked through that prison policy uh, document that you just mentioned and found out that only 4% of the people in the state of Nebraska are black, but guess what? They're 25% of the prisoners. 25% of the prisoners. Right. <laughs> we found out a lot of things about Nebraska. They don't have no for-profit for profit, private prisons, but they do have private juvenile detention facilities that charge 80000 freaking dollars a year to incarcerate a single teenager. They got four of those, one of them which is owned or co-owned by 13 different uh, counties. So they're all, you know, getting in together on this. We found out that about Nebraska. But this guy, Senator Grown, acts like he don't know none of this. Um, another thing that we found out, Nebraska has some of the highest jail phone rates in the country. You remember when we was talking about the uh, the Family Matters program when we did that episode about how they're robbing our family members. Well, Nebraska is one of the ones that do that at the top of the list throughout the entire uh, country. Uh, we found out that the prison-based gerrymandering is coming into Nebraska, that they're, they're using this gerrymandering with prisoners in the state of Nebraska. All of these articles are going to be put out so you can see them. Uh, man, I could go on and on and on and on and point out the problems that's going on in Nebraska. And for this guy to use these 
silly arguments about a judge telling a kid to clean up his graffiti when they're, you know, working in prison factories and he's focusing on the graffiti or to tell somebody to, you know, attend rehabilitation classes or get paid for making your bed. Well, what about the other prison labor programs that are going on? What about Unicor? What about you guys have one of the highest incarceration rates in the country? What about the fact that only 4% of the people in your state are subject to 25% of this incarceration? What about all those things? We say this is slavery. We say that the 13th Amendment allows slavery through the state, through federal constitution using that exception clause. All of the facts show us to be correct. We also show that in states like Nebraska and Utah and uh, others that have these exception clauses, they were used to justify convict leasing. Is this 2020 or not? It's time to get rid of these uh, pro-slavery languages in your state constitutions. How, Senator Grohn, can you argue against that? You said? <laughs> and, and, and in fact, uh, I, I think he mentioned that uh, he said that he voted in favor of it when it was, you know, in committee in error. He said he got caught up in the moment, uh, you know, the mood of the nation. You know, and it, it, it just makes me wonder what happened to make him actually come out with this opinion column. You know, did he receive a phone call from someone for re-election soon? So it just definitely makes me wonder about that. Uh, what what caused that to happen? Because we know as as he was given the definition of slavery, someone owns someone. Well, when a person gets in, when a person is incarcerated, they become property of the state. The state owns them until they release date. I mean, this is clear. The state owns them. The state is responsible for them. The state can tell them what to do, when to sleep, when to eat, when to go to the bathroom, when to do anything, when you can make a phone call, when you can do anything that a person who would be considered free doesn't have, they're not subjected to that. So that in itself, by definition, is slavery. Because they can force them to they can take time from them or add on to their sentence for them refusing to work. It's clear. All of it is slavery. In the language, it says it right there, except for prisoners duly convicted. It doesn't say the judge has discretion to decide which one of you are going to be slaves. It just says if you're duly convicted, you're a slave. That means you're owned by the state, state property. And well, what is the argument against that? But we can point out that this is class and race based. You know, the ACLU uh, of Nebraska got a pending civil rights lawsuit related to the overcrowding. And on July 1st, Governor Pete Ricketts was required by law to declare a prison overcrowding emergency. He was required by law to do it. He let it get to that point because the state's prison population at 151% of capacity, topped the 140% of capacity that was required or allowed. And the declaration means that the state board of parole will review whether any of the state's 800 parole-eligible inmates can be released. But the officials 
recently said that few meet the criteria for release. They ain't even trying to let nobody go. Instead, they want that money, that $450 million contract to build another prison that will provide more jobs for the people in the community, that will provide more income through its water bills and electric bills, and provide more resources through the many vampirous leech-like companies that surround and survive on prison industries, like the phone calls that they excel at there. So this is what it's all about, man. Go ahead. In fact, uh, the commissioner of corrections, I believe his name is Fred, he said, you know, in typical enslaver fashion, he said the state needs to expand its prison system. He said after decades, we need to start expanding. Expanding, that means you need to go collect more bodies. They have, and, and in fact, the governor said, you know, that we don't need reforms, you know, because they say, oh, it could jeopardize public safety. When we federal statistics have said that crime, the crime rates are down across the country. So it's not that crime is going up and you need to arrest more people. They're getting more creative in the ways of, of how they're arresting people, and they're keeping people for longer because of these mandatory system, mandatory sentences that are still on the books. And you have certain things that need to be de- decriminalized, like marijuana. <laughs> you know, you have other things where people are doing long bids. They're making it harder for people to make parole. We're seeing this as a trend across the state, you know, across the country, but also here in Nebraska. You know, when you say you have eight people that are eligible, but you can't find anybody that, you know, you can release, you know, that that says something right there. Yeah, it's you know, that they want to keep people. And then I want to challenge another part of his narrative where he started talking about you're going to have to pay uh, inmates to make their beds, is, is what he says. Well, here's here's the counter to that. Taxpayers are already paying for the people incarcerated to be there. Nothing's going to change. What's going to change is how they're going to have to spend that money. See, it's already factored in. Like you said, it was, what, $78,000 to incarcerate a juvenile? Yep. That money is already there. That's already coming from the taxpayers. What would change is how that $78,000 is spent. See, you have a we don't I don't know off the top of my head what what the incarceration rate is for an adult in Nebraska, but let's say $25,000. Out of that $25,000 would come that person's salary. So they say, "You know what? Let's give him ten cents an hour for the work that he does. Now, the only thing that would change is that they'd have to give the person more money if they were to take a lawsuit on that and say, "Well, look, we we want minimum wage." But it doesn't change to the taxpayer because the taxpayer is already paying that amount. That's what's not going to change. So he's trying to make it seem like we're going to have to raise your taxes. And that's not true. So that's the point that I wanted to make on that, Max. Yeah, it, it will be more of an allotment for the Department of Justice's budget on an annual basis based on how many prisoners and prisons that they have to operate. 
So there's, there's definitely going to be an increase, just like they've continually gotten increases year after year for their Department of Justice budgets. That's how they make a lot of that money. I remember California went from like $8 billion to $13 billion in just a couple years' time. So the billions come in through the allotments from the taxes that you pay towards the Department of Justice. Hey, I got we got to get on the revolution will be criminalized. But before that, I just want to say something. And I'm going to go back to Patterson with this one, okay? Um, okay. The argument... The, the argument that they're making uh, about how this is not slavery, let me just say this. In the state of Nebraska, for every 282 white people that are incarcerated, there are 2,452 black people who only make up 4% of the population. Now what? All right. right. So we was talking about, you know, during, <laughs> yeah, it, it goes quick, bro. We were talking about, uh, and we explained how the revolution would be criminalized. We went into state-by-state laws and provided all the information that you needed to know to show this is what they're trying to do. Well, they're taking it so much further, particularly Governor Ron DeSantis. uh, He has announced that this combating violence, disorder, and looting, and Law Enforcement Protection Act as of September 21st. And uh, I'm going to read you to you some of the things that are involved in this act that he is proposing. The Combating Violence Disorder and Looting and Law Enforcement Protection Act has three components outlined below. New criminal offenses to combat rioting, looting, and violence. Prohibition on violent or disorderly assemblies. All right, now, you know, remember... If you're an organizer and you have a protest going on and any violence or if they declare it disorderly, that means everybody in that group is now responsible for this felony charge, a third degree felony charge when seven or more persons are involved in an assembly and cause damage to property or injury to other persons. Two, prohibition on obstructing roadways a third-degree felony to obstruct traffic during an unpermitted protest. Demonstrations or violent or disorderly assembly driver is not, and this is emphasized, is not liable for injury or death caused in fleeing for safety from a mob. Now, in two things, what we they, you saw with the Black Lives Matter movement that blocked highways or streets, that is now a third-degree felony felony, and they're going to make you a slave because it's a felony. Once convicted, remember, they make you a slave through that. And at the same time, they gave drivers permission to murder you if they can say simply that they're fleeing for their safety. Now, what we saw in Virginia just became a, a legal act. Number three, prohibition on destroying or toppling monuments. Second degree felony charge to destroy public property during a violent or disorderly assembly. Again, one person do it, everybody pays. Prohibition on harassment and public accommodations. First degree misdemeanor for a participant in a violent or disorderly assembly to harass or intimidate a person at a public accommodation such as a restaurant. Now, you know, they got these Trump supporters showing up in voting poll places doing nothing more than but intimidating people. But that's not the ones they're talking about. They're talking about protesters. So if you're a part of a group and people feel intimidated because of the group, you're now liable. And here's number five, and I'm going to stop there and pass you. They want to include 
racketeering charges. RICO liability. RICO liability attaches to anyone who organizes or funds a violent or disorderly assembly. Now, to all the organizers listening to me right now, if anybody comes in and begins some sort of violence, they don't have to be a part of what you're doing. They could be there just to do this in order to get you on a RICO charge of racketeering and have you and all your supporters put into a prison where you'll be convicted under a felony and become state property. This is from the governor of Florida. You said, yeah, this is crazy, you know, and, uh, just, just with, just for, uh, the numbers, you know, third degree felonies usually carry up to five years in in a state. Second degree carries five to ten. So we're not talking, you know, six months in jail. We're not talking probation. You know, we're talking serious stretches in jail. When you start talking third degree and second degree, and we already know Florida's history would stand your ground. You know, hey, so Houston, with just them, be mindful, we got about yeah. two minutes to cover on this one, okay? Yeah, in fact, I, I was I was gonna cut off short anyway because I'm having computer issues right now, where okay, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm having computer issues right now where something that I had opened, you know, just uh, is really slowing the computer down. In fact, I have just two white screens both pointing at me saying not responding right now. So all of my well, notes are gone. All right. Well, I'll cover the remaining and then we can get into our final quotes if you're back by that time with your screen. Uh, there's more to this. There's increased penalties, mandatory minimum jail sentences. Uh, there's offense enhancements. Uh, you know, if, if a policeman gets hit with a throwing object again, You'd be charged for that They even got uh, citizen and taxpayer protective measures They call it like no defund the police Permitted Prohibit state grants or aids to any Local government that slashes the budget For law enforcement services So like the, the government is saying You're not allowed to reduce the police Funding this is crazy man You need to read all of this throughout There's much more to it Much more to it but we have had a, a very fruitful show. It felt good to be back today, Yusuf, would you man, and have the people call in as they did, my, my brothers and sisters there, in in the struggle. And uh, to have all of this, you know, just powerful statements throughout the night. It was it was great having you back, man. It was like I said, it was lonely up in this piece, man, because <laughs> you know, it gave me an opportunity to listen to our old broadcast, though, and I said, man, we've really break down a lot of stuff on this program. It was just tremendous hearing it, so yes, that was good, Jules. but I'm, I, I, I treat all of that to have you here with me, man, because it's, it's great when you have someone to bounce ideas, you know, back and forth with. Right, right, and and, and those, as you said, we did, uh, we're, I think when you started doing that, we were like, 30 uh, episodes, and it was a good idea to review some of those in, uh, in order to bring that back and, and, and so people understand it who are first-time listeners, you know, because we don't cover everything all in one program. We do it one segment at a time, you know what I mean? We're covering this aspect today and that aspect next week, so we've got them all covered. That's why we call it a master class. But we're at the end of the program now, man, so I want to give a shout-out to our sponsors, the Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, 
uh, I Am We Prison Advocacy Network, Same Urge, Quakers Uplifting Racial Justice, the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center, and Prismatic Dreams. And uh, we've got a final quotes that we want to give to you for the evening, and then we got a, a, another. We ain't going to just you know leave you without nothing hot. After that, we have right, our Bridging right. the Gaps segment. We want to always honor our ancestors. We do it throughout the show, but we make special focus to do it with the Bridging the Gap segment, and Yusef will be introducing that shortly. Yusef, you want me to do my quote first? Yeah, you can go ahead, and then I'll just do it all in one part. I'm actually uh, <laughs> just reading my notes from my cell phone. In fact, from my my uh, burner cell phone. Uh, do, do you need yeah, me to cover the rest, really or are you all right? You want me to cover the I'm rest? Good. Oh, okay. I'm good. I'm good. Okay. All right, no doubt. Well, uh, here's my quote for the evening. And first, just say thank you for tuning in. Thanks for the calls. Uh, we really appreciate you. We need all the support that we can get to get this information out there. So thank you so much for that support. Uh, one thing about my people is when I call on them, they come, man. So let's make this thing uh, something we're talking about all across the nation and the world. It is among the evils of slavery that it taints the very sources of moral principle. It establishes false estimates of virtue and vice. For what can be more false and heartless than this doctrine, which makes the first and holiest rights of humanity to depend upon the color of the skin? John Quincy Adams. I'll catch you next week. Peace, Yusuf. Peace. And so I want to close out with the quote, and it says, the last four or 500 years of European contact with Africa produced a body of literature that presented Africa in a very bad light, and Africans in very lurid terms. The reason for this had to do with the need to justify the slave trade and slavery, and that's Chinua Akabi. We'll be back on November 25th, and I want to take us into our final segment. I said November has a long break. (laughs) But we're going to go into our final segment, the Bridging the Gap. We're going to close out. It's a speech entitled, No Compromise with the Evil of Slavery. And this is delivered by William Lloyd Garrison in 1854. And it's read by Rick Kistner. We'll be back October 25th, inshallah. God willing, until then, remember to join the movement at AbolishSlavery.us and subscribe to our Abolition Today YouTube page for all the news, information, and music you hear on this program. So until next week, think about Abolition Today. Peace and blessings be upon you. Abolition. A speech delivered in 1854 by abolitionist William Lloyd Garrison, founder of the newspaper The Liberator, admitting of no compromise with the evil of slavery. Let me define my positions and at the same time challenge anyone to show wherein they are untenable. I am a believer in that portion of the Declaration of American Independence in which it is set forth as among self-evident truths that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Hence, 
I am an abolitionist. Hence, I cannot but regard oppression in every form, and most of all, that which turns a man into a thing with indignation and abhorrence. Not to cherish these feelings would be recreancy to principle. They who desire me to be dumb on the subject of slavery, unless I will open my mouth in its defense, ask me to give the lie to my professions, to degrade my manhood, and to stain my soul. I will not be a liar, a poltroon, or a hypocrite to accommodate any party, to gratify any sect, to escape any odium or peril, to save any interest, to preserve any institution, or to promote any object. Convince me that one man may rightfully make another man his slave, and I will no longer subscribe to the Declaration of Independence. Convince me that liberty is not the inalienable birthright of every human being of whatever complexion or clime, and I will give that instrument to the consuming fire. I do not know how to espouse freedom and slavery together. I do not know how to worship God and mammon at the same time. If other men choose to go upon all fours, I choose to stand erect as God designed every man to stand. If practically falsifying its heaven-attested principles, this nation denounces me for refusing to imitate its example, then, adhering all the more tenaciously to those principles, I will not cease to rebuke it for its guilty inconsistency. Numerically, the contest may be an unequal one for the time being, but the author of liberty and the source of justice, the adorable God, is more than multitudinous, and he will defend the right. My crime is that I will not go with the multitude to do evil. My singularity is that when I say that freedom is of God and slavery is of the devil, I mean just what I say. My fanaticism is that I insist on the American people abolishing slavery or ceasing to prate of the rights of man. The abolitionism which I advocate is as absolute as the law of God and as unyielding as his throne. It admits of no compromise. Every slave is a stolen man. Every slaveholder is a man-stealer. By no precedent, no example, no law, no compact, no purchase, no bequest, no inheritance, no combination of circumstances is slaveholding right or justifiable. While a slave remains in his fetters, the land must have no rest. Whatever sanctions his doom must be pronounced accursed. The law that makes him a chattel is to be trampled underfoot. The compact that is formed at his expense and cemented with his blood is null and void. The church that consents to his enslavement is horribly atheistical. The religion that receives to its communion the enslaver is the embodiment of all criminality. Such, at least, is the verdict of my own soul on the supposition that I am to be the slave, that my wife is to be sold from me for the vilest purposes, that my children are to be torn from my arms and disposed of to the highest bidder like sheep in the market. And who am I but a man? What right have I to be free that another man cannot prove himself to possess by nature? Who or what are my wife and children that they should not be herded with four-footed beasts as well as others thus sacredly related? If the slaves are not men, if they do not possess human instincts, passions, faculties, and powers, if they are below accountability and devoid of reason, if for them there is no hope of immortality, no God, no heaven, no hell, if, in short, 
They are what the slave code declares them to be, rightly deemed, sold, taken, reputed, and adjudged in law to be chattels personal in the hands of their owners and possessors, and their executors, administrators, and assigns to all intents, constructions, and purposes whatsoever, then, undeniably, I am mad and can no longer discriminate between a man and a beast. But... In that case, away with the horrible incongruity of giving them oral instruction, of teaching them the catechism, of recognizing them as suitably qualified to be members of Christian churches, of extending to them the ordinance of baptism, and admitting them to the communion table, and enumerating many of them as belonging to the household of faith. Let them be no more included in our religious sympathies or denominational statistics than are the dogs in our streets, the swine in our pens, or the utensils in our dwellings. It is right to own, to buy, to sell, to inherit, to breed, and to control them. In the most absolute sense, all constitutions and laws which forbid their possession ought to be so far modified or repealed as to concede the right. But if they are men, if they are to run the same career of immortality with ourselves, if the same law of God is over them as over all others, if they have souls to be saved or lost, if Jesus included them among those for whom he laid down his life, if Christ is within many of them, the hope of glory then when I claim for them all that we claim for ourselves because we are created in the image of God, I am guilty of no extravagance, but am bound by every principle of honor, by all the claims of human nature, by obedience to Almighty God, to remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and to demand their immediate and unconditional emancipation. These are solemn times. It is not a struggle for national salvation, for the nation as such seems doomed beyond recovery. The reason why the South rules and the North falls prostrate in servile terror is simply this. With the South, the preservation of slavery is paramount to all other considerations. Above party success, denominational unity, pecuniary interest, legal integrity, and constitutional obligation. With the North, the preservation of the Union is placed above all other things, above honor, justice, freedom, integrity of soul, the Decalogue and the Golden Rule, the Infinite God Himself. All these she is ready to discard for the Union. Her devotion to it is the latest and the most terrible form of idolatry. She has given to the slave power a carte blanche to be filled as it may dictate, and if at any time she grows restive under the yoke and shrinks back aghast at the new atrocity contemplated, it is only necessary for that power to crack the whip of disunion over her head as it has done again and again, and she will cower and obey like a plantation slave. Or has she not sworn that she will sacrifice everything in heaven and on earth rather than the union? What then is to be done? Friends of the slave, the question is not whether by our efforts we can abolish slavery, speedily or remotely, for duty is ours, the result is with God whether we will go with the multitude to do evil, sell our birthright for a mess of pottage, cease to cry aloud and spare not, and remain in Babylon when the command of God is come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. Let us stand in our lot, and having done all to stand, at least a remnant shall be saved, living or dying, defeated or victorious, be it ours to exclaim, 
No compromise with slavery. Liberty for each, for all, forever. Man, above all institutions, the supremacy of God over the whole earth. Abolition. Abolition. Read by Rick Kistner. For lit to go on the web at fcit.usf.edu.